0: Bickley and Murata Mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata.
1: It's the greatest show on earth! Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome the world. Dan Bickley. Sportsman Sports
0: It's Sports. Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata.
2: Spectacular. This is the greatest show.
0: Bigley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in
2: the history of
3: radio. See, it's the greatest radio show ever.
2: Bigley and Murata. I hate
1: everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. I'm not entirely certain about this, but this might be the last Shenanigans Wednesday we have for quite some time. Because once football season begins, Shenanigans,
0: you know what I'm saying here. Shenanigans can happen still as things are going smoothly. Right. When things but are going if, badly, but if you news can't news is them. flying
1: everywhere, <laughs> yeah. and drama is happening in the NFL. Or you got a really big Thursday night game. So this might be the last full-on shenanigans Wednesday in a while. I, I kind of get what you're saying, but or maybe
0: it's just a shenanigans are inevitable. Else to say, let's face it, this is not important stuff we're talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> also,
3: Wednesday's we're usually the toy tr- department. Wednesday's usually the slowest yeah. of the news days because you're sort of done. Re- Reacting to the game before you're not quite previewing the yeah. game of the weekend. We're sort of in the middle. I think I just, that's how shenanigans Wednesday began.
1: I, I just really feel, and, and maybe I'm alone in this, but I, I feel tomorrow is going to hit differently because it's the start of NFL season, and and, and I think we've all kind of had our our um, appetite peaked by the debut of college football past weekend. We've got a gigantic game tomorrow night, and then it's on to a gigantic game Sunday, and off we go. A couple. Things that uh that I thought were very, very interesting. Number one, I I heard a report this morning that a lot of money is pouring in on the Philadelphia Eagles, that smart gamblers are in love with this football team. Okay, that's just one thing. And the other thing is I know a lot of people who are looking at this Cardinals game and going, Cardinals are gonna lose this game by twenty five points, and they're running the other way. Yeah, so that's a couple of interesting perceptions going into this week. What's the? the I think the spread is like six and a half or six, mm-hmm. six points this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Cardinals a six point home underdog. And you know what's weird too? It's you. You look at the timing. This this could very easily be a prime time game. This is probably the best quarterback matchup of the weekend. Um. Yeah. I mean. Uh, tomorrow night's matchup's
0: pretty good. Well, Allen, uh, Allen against Stafford. Once you get, once you get out games, of tomorrow night. yeah, yeah, yeah. When, you,
1: when you get to
3: Sunday.
0: I could see that. What is the Sunday night game? Is it Tampa Bay? Probably.
1: <laughs> I mean, you've got Russell Wilson. Tampa and
3: Dallas? Is that the...
1: Yeah, that might be it. It. You've got Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. That's a big deal. You've got Bakes going back to Cleveland. That's a big deal. But this is Mahomes versus Murray. Well, that game's in... That uh, Browns game is in Charlotte. Okay, let me rephrase that. Yeah. You've got the Browns going into <laughs> Bakes. Yeah.
0: That, I mean, if he was going back to Cleveland, we'd be, okay. we'd be over the moon over there. Right. That'd be awesome. It I mean, is wackadoodle, I, though.
1: I think you're right. I think that... this it's the best, yeah, it's this, the best matchup of the weekend.
0: I mean, two playoff teams from a year ago. I mean... Tampa Bay and
1: Dallas, both playoff teams, and you well, get that's, why that's yeah, the, the that's Brady game. against the yeah. Cowboys. Yeah, yeah that's a ratings bonanza. But I'm saying it. This is this is pretty good. Cliff and Kyler have never lost an opening week together. This is going to be. This is going to test them. Wow, that's true. Two zero oh and, oh and one. one. Yep. Two zero oh and one. It's going to test them, and they should have lost that first I am, game. <laughs> I am stoked that this is going to be one f- crazy football season. Yes. Can't wait. All right, Jared, start the show. The splash, splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The
2: splash. About
3: coming. About coming. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah,
0: the Arizona Cardinals did release their week one depth chart for the season opener against Kansas City. Not too many surprises on it. Offensively, it could be Eno Benjamin or Daryl Williams as James Conner's backup at running back. Defensively, Isaiah Simmons and Zavin Collins are listed as the inside linebackers to start with Antonio Hamilton on the non-football injury list. Second-year man Marco Wilson is once again a starting cornerback. Rookie seventh-round pick Christian Matthew is the only rookie in the two-deep chart. Uh, he'll back up Wilson at corner. And I also did find it interesting, Bick, that a guy who's not even on the active roster right now and on the practice squad and Devon Kennard is listed as a backup and outside that? linebacker. Well,
1: you know, we've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of, uh, of errors. You know, just uh, placement errors, omission errors. Oh, copy-paste errors. Copy-paste errors. Uh, who cares? There's also oh, a lot cares? of practice
0: squad shenanigans, yeah, too. right. But let's be, especially at the end of with it, veterans. Right. Uh, we'll get our first look at the week one injury report later today when the Cardinals conclude practice. Speaking of Antonio Hamilton, he tweeted out that he got clearance to wear shoes and his skin is 90% healed, which is great news. However, it will not affect his availability for the first four weeks, which is the minimum amount of Oof. games he'll miss due to the... The inclusion, uh,
1: his inclusion on the non-football injury list. But yeah, you would think he needs some time to heal. Yeah, before he is. I mean, if it's on his feet, before you get into playing competitive sports. And honestly, the shoe is. It, it, I'm not familiar with the footwear, but it looked like slippers
0: almost. So I, I don't think he's he's quite there. But uh, still, good news for Antonio Hamilton. Pittsburgh Steelers already adjusted their quarterback depth chart after initially listing rookie Kenny Pickett as the third stringer heading into Week One behind Mitchell. Tre- Bisky and uh, Mason
1: Rudolph Pickett was listed as the backup. Mike Tomlin called it a clerical error. Yeah, right. <laughs> as Jared said, as Bickley spent 25 minutes yesterday waxing on the Steelers' ability to play 3D chess, yeah, yeah all it was it was, was also people cut and paste error. Speculating
0: that they were driving up the, the market on Mason Rudolph for a trade. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, hoops. Yeah, uh, rough one for the D backs in San Diego last night. They built a 5 nothing lead in the fifth. Merrill Kelly had a no hit going until he didn't. San Diego put up three runs in the fifth on homers by Jake Cronenworth and Seong Kim. Then Josh Bell homered in the seventh to cut the lead to 5-4. So when the ninth rolled around, that meant a save opportunity. And those have been Arizona's kryptonite, even during their successful second half of the season. Ian Kennedy loaded the bases with two outs. Number 9 hitter Jorge Alfaro singled in Cronenworth and Will Myers, and the Padres get to celebrate the walk-off. Kennedy's second consecutive blown save, and he's only in there because Mark Melanson was totally ineffective in the closer
1: role. Uh, that was a that was a bad loss. Yeah, that one hurts. Yeah. I mean, I, especially for the way this team was starting to feel about itself, the fact that that one could have gotten you th- to three games under five, 500. This one will be a little tester for this team. The fact that they
0: were in the Padres' heads for five innings, both the players and the, fa- the fans were booing things again last mm-hmm. night, and for them to turn that around, good, yep. good win for the Padres. Uh, series finale of Petco today, Tommy Henry against U Darvish in a game that gets underway at 540 with pregame coverage starting at 5 on ESPN 620 AM and 98.7 FM HD2. Another week, another honor for D-backs ace Zach Gallon. The right-hander was named the National League Player of the Week after going 2-0 and with wins over Philadelphia and Milwaukee, striking out 14, walking only two, and extending his scoreless inning streak to 41 and a third innings, which is the eighth longest streak in the live ball era, which started in 1920. Uh, Boston's Andrew Bogarts won the award in the American League. Uh, more awards to talk about. Week one, Pac-12 football honors handed out Tuesday. Arizona quarterback Jaden DeLora named the offensive player of the week. 299 yards in the air, four touchdowns, and the Wildcats win over San Diego State. ASU freshman kicker Carter Brown, who had four field goals in the Devils' route of NAU, won the special team's honor. Brown was the only kicker in FBS with four field goals in week one.
1: Uh, did I did I hear correctly that the University of Arizona actually got a vote in a top 25 poll? They did. Is they that actually one, happening? One 25th place wow. vote from a reporter how in Nebraska. About yeah. How about that? How long has it been since you've gotten a vote? Come on, Farid! Don't you know off the back of your scruffy head?
3: Maybe no, you I know don't what? know. <laughs> that
1: vote was rigged.
3: Yeah, yeah. It was rigged.
1: <laughs> right. I guess twenty
2: fourteen. <laughs>
0: The new AP College top 25 is out. Alabama remains number one, followed by Georgia. They moved up a spot after routing Oregon. They're number two. Ohio State, three. Michigan, fourth. Clemson, fifth. Uh, In the Pac 12, USC is number 10, followed by Utah at number 13. They plunged six spots. Oregon was 11th. They fell completely out of the top 25 after their debacle against the uh, Bulldogs over the weekend. ASU's Week 2 opponent, Oklahoma State, moved up one spot to number 11. At the uh, U.S. Open, fifth seed on the men's side, Casper Rudd breezed into the semis with a straight-set win over Matteo Berrettini. The other quarterfinal was a marathon. Great match. Karen Hach- Hachinov uh,
1: outlasted Nick Kyrgios in five sets to oh, move on. Oy, the racket-throwing. Oh, oh, he, he just is exhausting to watch. Geez. What an opportunity wasted by Nick Kyrgios, but he is exhausting to watch.
0: I mean, there's Comparisons to McEnroe? Yeah. He's beyond
1: anything McEnroe did. In in ways. He's
0: just a jerk on a half.
1: And then he just, the constant barking at the people in his box. It just, when things start to go bad for him, it is not pretty. You know what
3: the difference between McEnroe is? McEnroe was the number one player and won a lot of majors. Yeah,
1: this that's guy true. is right on the brink and it's tennis's wideo tennis wants him so bad. Tennis also is weird with him. That vibe with him in that match last night, it got a little bit wonky. Couple guys, did well, you see that one guy giving another guy a haircut? That yeah, they had to kick yeah, out, of the stadium. Out. out of the stadium. Can right? I also make a comment about um,
0: we're talking about Francis Tiafo, He's got mm-hmm. a great story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he and this Hotchinoff guy wearing the same Nike shirt. That, yeah. What is that shirt? Isn't that weird? It's the
1: worst tennis attire. and sc- purple yeah. situation. Yeah. With, the, with the square neck and the, and, and the zipper. zipper. Yeah. It's awful. a very odd look. But it's,
2: It looks like a swimsuit that my mom would have made
0: me wear when I was like 12. Right. It looks like right. something Jarrett would wear Rather. on the tennis court. <laughs> it does. Uh, on the women's side 12 seeded American Coco Goff run came to an end with a straight set uh, loss to Frances Caroline Garcia and we saw the end of an era last night in the WNBA. Las Vegas beat Seattle 97-92. They're headed to the WNBA finals and that ends the career of legendary Seattle guard Sue Bird, 41 years old. She closes out as a four-time WNBA champion, five-time Olympic gold medalist, two college titles at UConn and is the league's all-time leader in assists. So she rides off into the sunset. The other WNBA Semifinal will go to a deciding game five on Thursday between Connecticut and Chicago. Connecticut won game four last night, 104 to 80. There you go. There could we, is your splash.
3: Can we go back to that tennis outfit that we've established as either something Sarah would have worn as a bathing suit when she was mm-hmm. twelve mm-hmm. or something I would wear now? <laughs> that's what we decided.
2: Okay. Yeah. Although your chest hair would get stuck in that zipper, uh, so maybe that's a bad idea. <laughs> Go to break, Jared. (laughs) There's your
0: splash coming up. Uh, Cardinals released their depth chart ahead of week one. We'll get into some of the details of it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1: 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings.
2: There's quite a few um, game time decisions, more than you'd like, there's no question. But uh, a lot of those guys are veteran players that we know know what to do, know how to play, um, know how to handle the business. So hopefully if they can go on Sunday, they'll go and play at a high level. Cliff
0: Kingsbury yesterday on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station with Wolf and Luke, their first weekly visit with the head coach. They will have that weekly visit this season as well during the uh, the midday shows. But Cliff Kingsbury talking about injuries plaguing his team which is never a good sign going into week one. And you heard it right there. A lot of game time decisions. There is I mean, this just goes along with the theme. There's there's this overarching theme, Bick, of the unknown with the Arizona Cardinals this year, and this availability questions yeah. are, are are making it even more mysterious going into this. First well, game. there's
1: that. There's the uh, there's the fact that the uh, the methodology or the strategy to really not play anybody or expose anybody to unnecessary risk in in the preseason, uh, I think has is led to some confusion. In one way, it's good because the Cardinals do not have a lot of guys on IR, so there hasn't been a lot of these. Stop rubbing your eyes, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> there hasn't been a lot of these season-ending IR kind of injuries, but there has been a lot of other little kind of things that you're hoping the team can get reconciled. Then there's injuries that also may not be injuries w- at all mm-hmm. in the case of Marcus Golden. So, the only IR you care about is eye rubbing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. The, um, so, and it also comes down to a guy like J.J. Watt. Exactly how is he physically? Is, is he fully recovered? It's been, what, three weeks now? Or it will be three weeks by Sunday, I think at least that, yeah, 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 so um yeah, so I think there are more que- there are more injury question marks than you like, even uh yesterday, Trayvon Mullen was saying he he thinks he 's good to go he 's been dealing with toe issues. So, uh, so you got your fingers crossed because the Chiefs, from what I can tell, are, are relatively healthy, and this is a big game to start. As we mentioned at the very beginning, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray have never lost an opening week game. They tied in week one in their debut against the Lions, mm-hmm. coming back from an atrocious opening half, and they've won the last couple of weeks. But this is a, our last couple of years in opening week. Uh, and last year's was really um, one of the coup de gras of the entire season because it was so unexpected. It was so physical. It was so, uh, it came with such attitude, what they did to go into Nashville mm-hmm. and punch the Titans in the mouth like that. Yeah. Do was, you remember in the first part of the
3: season how much we were praising the physicality yeah. of the Cardinals? Oh, yeah.
1: And how much that seemed to just disappear as the season went on? Yeah, it waned. It definitely waned. And then, and then near the end of the season, we could... And it was unbelievable how different this team looked at home versus how they were on the road and and it wasn't just in the outcomes where the cardinals you know again have lost 5 consecutive games at home it was just the way that they played they just seemed to be much more focused and much more physical on the road for whatever reason maybe it was the lack of comfort zone maybe it was just being on the road really sharpened them i don't know but they're going to have to find a way to to kind of sustain a level of play home and road yet that one road loss Really stood out like
0: a sore thumb Just going to Detroit And getting annihilated by a horrible Lions team That was a bizarre That was one of the most strange games League-wide last year Uh, On the depth chart uh, A couple things stand out Four tight ends listed on the initial depth chart Including Steven Anderson as the fourth string that, to me, does not portend great things about the health of Zach Ertz and Max Williams going into this game. And maybe Trey McBride has been banged up in the preseason. Five running backs, we know about that. Um Benjamin or Daryl Williams as the uh, backup, but to keep five
2: running backs, uh, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about that yesterday by Wolf and Lou. Yeah, you gotta evolve, man. Gotta gotta adapt and evolve. Um, yeah, it's just like I said, it, it's how it played out. Uh, all those guys earned it in, in those spots, and, and um, we'll, we'll find ways to maximize them. But he also admitted that was not initially part of the plan. We did not. Yeah, we did not. Uh, we thought it would shake out differently, I, I think, but all those guys earned it. All those guys came in and, and did a tremendous job um, throughout camp, and, and we felt like w- with how that's gone to that position the last couple years here, that, that having that type of numbers was, was good for us, and uh, we didn't want to give any guy up, and it uh, just worked out that way.
0: Yeah, I
1: would not expect there to be five running backs dressed on Sunday. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, and I think that this is... Uh, Again, there's there's a lot of luxury items on offense. You know what I mean? It's like if, yeah. if you knew Eno Benjamin, Benjamin was going to have this kind of training camp, entrance into year three, would you have drafted Keontae Ingram? Would you have put yourself in that position? And, and then the same thing with the Trey McBride. It, it's We're still waiting for that to look like, okay, we see why you allocated that high of a draft pick too. Can
0: I ask maybe a stupid non-Cardinals yeah. non- football roster construction question? Uh, sure. Why does the rule exist that you can only dress so many players on Sunday? They make so much about a 53 man roster, Mm -hmm. and yet you don't have 53 ever on a Sunday. Why does there have to be inactives? I don't know.
3: It just seems like a rule to have a rule, doesn't it? I don't know. I'm sure there's a reason for it. I don't know what it is. It's just, why does there have to be any rules? (laughs) <laughs> right, no, but I mean, like, like why chaos. does there have to be fifty-three men? Right. Why can't you have an eighty man? Like, yeah. like, they, you know, there's different well, rules
1: that they are don't in want place to, they don't for want whatever. To pay that much for well, working that, players. Yeah, for jerseys There's only so many yeah. jerseys sure
0: collect- that That number is probably collectively bargained, but. What's the the roster?
1: Roster. I
3: don't know. <clears throat> it's all hard right. to get all those jerseys there. and There's a lot of fat guys. There's a lot of material they need. <laughs> right, yeah. It adds up.
0: Cost cutting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you're right on it, Jarrett. Uh, defensively, uh, not surprised to see the inside linebackers listed as Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. We had that discussion last week mm-hmm. with one of our guests. Would you be surprised if it's Nick Vigil and Tanner Vallejo lining up as the inside linebackers? They, um, I think it was... Uh, I think it was Kyle Vandenbosch who we had that discussion with. But they're listed as the starters. Now the more interesting thing for me becomes, Bick, especially against an opponent like Kansas City, what do those snap counts look like? Isaiah Simmons is going to play a high snap count. Yeah. What is Zayvon Collins' snap count
1: going to look like against a team that throws the ball a lot? Well, that is true, and and also you you talk about the the level of conditioning. Are are these guys really ready to go play sixty, sixty five, seventy plays on either side of the football? Let's hope. Yeah, there's, this is going to be interesting because the the level of opponent, the level of opposing quarterback, the pedigree of the opposing coach, the difference in the contrast in the way that they um, approach preseason football. There's a lot in this mix. And you mentioned what the Chiefs are six and a half point favorites, six or six and a half. Okay, not that I follow
0: such things, yeah, yeah, but you yeah. know, you hear it through the grapevine, yeah, you do, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Big's picks is back in week one of the I'm NFL back. season, kicks off tomorrow. Text pick to 620, <laughs> to sign up and complete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize, a 75 inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Just text PICK to 620-620 to enter. Coming up next, more from Cliff Kingsbury and his interview with Wolf and Luke yesterday and the level of mystery around the Arizona Cardinals at this point heading into the opener. Man, it's thick. We'll get into all of it next. It's pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This one was tough. The Rams, the Cardinals, it came down the stretch last year as well. And I mean, sometimes adversity can bring a team together in the offseason. Everybody is talking about your quarterback. He doesn't know how to study. He doesn't know how to do this. Two Pro Bowls. You're going to rally behind your guy, and you're going to have Arizona winning the division. Beautiful, Much respect. That's awesome. That's a big pick. Jason McCourty, Good Morning Football, yesterday on NFL Network. And yesterday, we shared the sound from the Bill Simmons podcast, where Simmons and cousin Sal were just ripping the Cardinals, the Vegas lines to shreds. Uh Uh, This is a guarantee they're going to be under eight and a half. They're going to stink. Talked about all the things that they did wrong, and there you see the, the opposite viewpoint. Jason McCourty saying adversity can bring teams together. One thing is for certain, Bick: mm-hmm. the Arizona Cardinals offseason was filled with adversity. Yeah, and if
1: Jason McCordy is right, they got a lot of fuel to work with. Well, listen, it, it has been really uh, a fascinating drama. It's been very veered at times. It's it's been um, very stagnant for mo- most of it. Uh, and as I said, uh, if if you look at Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, the, the co-architects of all of this, both of them have, have kind of had a real interesting reaction to all of it. And that is Steve Kime has kind of waved as a lot of good players have gone by him uh, and really not jumped to make any big acquisitions, even though there have been some clear deficiencies on defense. And then Cliff Kingsbury has doubled down on his belief uh, that you do not expose anyone to any risk in preseason football to the point where they they cancelled one of two scheduled joint practices with the Titans, which is mm-hmm. unbelievable. But, but he believes in it and he might be right. So you throw it all together. there's a level of, of not only mystery to this football team but a but a kind of a belief that this season could go hard left or hard right.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I don't know if I've ever had less of a concrete idea of how the season was going to go. Now there's been seasons like last year I was off. I, I predicted the Cardinals to go eight and nine last year. They went 11 and six. I did not think they would be a playoff team. they proved me wrong. Um, so there was a level of the unknown last year, especially plugging in new pieces like AJ Green, JJ Watt and the like, uh, this year, you know,
1: take that uncertainty times 10. Yeah. I don't know. But, but again, they made the playoffs, but they didn't look like a playoff team when the playoffs arrived. And Very that true. was, that was part of the narrative that, ill. There were people who came out of that playoff loss wondering if Kyler Murray was even an NFL caliber quarterback. And these are ex-players, analysts, and, and none of us believe that. But I'm just saying that it, that the optics of this football team, it, it they, they really depend on the eye of the beholder and what you think you're seeing. Because we have seen power rankings as low as the low
2: 20s.
0: Yeah, I've seen, uh, I I went through 12 different power rankings yesterday from around the country. The highest rating the Cardinals had was by Athlon Sports going into the season at number 12. The lowest, you mentioned this yesterday, The Athletic had them at number 21. Mm -hmm. So that's quite a span for a team especially again that is coming off a playoff appearance with a lot of those players
1: That's well especially with a quarterback that just got paid that kind of money Mm -hmm. generally if you pay a quarterback that kind of money you are declaring him a franchise quarterback and if you've got an elite franchise quarterback in the NFL you do not rank between 12 and 21 you're a top 10 team and there's really no debate about it and you don't fall as low as some people have the Cardinals falling that's fascinating uh, to me uh, on a lot of different levels And, and I think that you know uh, again, when you look at the way that the the end of last season unfolded, how impotent the offense looked without DeAndre Hopkins, how they struggled to even get in the playoffs, how every time this team had a game to qualify for the playoffs or this or that, they failed. And they've got a rich history of this over the last X amount of win-or-go-home games. They they have not risen ever to the moment, and so they backed into the playoffs last year. And when they got there, they were horribly overmatched. And so so if he, if you caught the tail end of the Cardinals' season, you might have some doubt. If you paid attention like we did in the first twelve weeks, ten weeks, you might be thinking, "Okay, you know what? They, they got this here. They just gotta, they just gotta get this ending right." Yeah. You yeah. know, sometimes you test endings and movie scripts, and you people come out and go, "Yeah, I love the movie. The ending, I hated it." And, and then go, they send it back to rewrite. Yeah, and they create a different ending. ending.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Cardinals need a focus group.
1: <laughs> Rhett Reese, so that's uh, enlist Rhett Reese okay. to write a new ending for the Cardinals. There you go. Yeah, we should have done that last year. <laughs> we should, have. come to think of it. And then, and then you've got all this other weirdness attached to this. the uh, The HBO Hard Knox cameras. What is that going to bring to this mix? Fascinating to me. I, 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 th- I think Kyler Murray is going to love it. I, I'm not sure what K two is going to think about it. I mean, it's a chance for
0: everybody to shine, or it's a chance for everybody to look horrible, depending on how your season's going. I mean, the the Detroit Lions had the luxury of it being during training camp, where, yes, people are fighting for jobs, and you get those... You get those storylines, mm-hmm. and it's it's compelling, it's intriguing, and all of those things. But we've seen it, you know, what, seventeen, eighteen times already in Hard yeah. Knocks. This is only the second time we'll see it in season. And you saw melt a meltdown happen in real time last year. Well, that's what the
1: that's what they're trying to avoid. I, I'm curious because how, how often do you see the the owner of the Lions at Hard Knocks? Well,
0: that's a good question.
1: Do you yeah, have not often? You, you haven't. How often have you seen the general manager of the Lions? On our docs. You haven't. It. It's been the Dan Campbell show. So, so to me, it's really going to be, it, are we going to see uh, just how this organization, their vibe, their real vibe, the, it be inside those walls. That, to me, I can't wait to see. Well, how buttoned up are they? Who are the charismatic figures? Think, Who make the place fun on a daily basis? Yeah, I
0: think there were four. Of the end of episode, like teasers on what was coming up, and they featured DeAndre Hopkins, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, it was actually five. Buddha Baker. There was one of Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell speaking to each other in, in the seats, mm-hmm. and then the last one was Kyler Murray going out
1: of the practice field. Yeah, <laughs> there's a storyline. I, so. I think you'll see a lot of owner slash general manager in this production mm-hmm. compared to other NFL teams that's just my belief going back to what you said about the offense you're exactly right it was a it was a
0: Rocky road. It was an uneven road Uh, with Wolf and Luke. Yesterday, Cliff Kingsbury talked about where
2: the offense can improve the most. We we (laughs) struggled down there close. Um, I think we're like 29th in goal to go situations. So I thought we moved the ball well Uh, a lot of the year. Just once we got down there, instead of kicking those field goals, as you know, you got to score touchdowns when you want to play deep into the playoffs. And um, that was kind of our Achilles heel. And then, uh, you know, third and medium situations as well. We were really good on third and long, but third and medium, the precision pass game, uh, we got to have. Better plans, and we got to execute it at a higher level.
0: Yeah, that uh, goal to go statistic is uh-uh. a, is a little surprising, isn't it? We all, you know, raved about how great James Connor was in short yarded situations, and the fact that just for the first time in a really long time, the Cardinals had that physical, bigger back to get those tough yards. Mm-hmm. And he did excel in the red zone, but in in
1: golden golden twenty twenty
0: ninth. That's well, well, that's damaging. I,
1: yeah, and I think a lot of it. I think they were a lot better when when D Hop was on the field. I don't know how those numbers split between the games he was available and not, but they he always seems to be something and somebody that creates space and and opportunities at the goal line. I don't know. It's uh, Yeah, It's I'm real curious to see a lot of things about this football team. They're going to have to really kind of max out what they have on offense. I I deeply believe Hollywood Brown is going to have to be a borderline star, at least for the first half of the season. And then DeAndre Hopkins has got to be the special sauce at the end Mm -hmm. that keeps the team from cratering again. That's the way you do it.
0: See if they can pull it off. Yeah. We'll find out uh, the, the first offerings on uh, Sunday. Coming up next, just when you think things are going well for the Diamondbacks, the back end of the bullpen strikes again. We'll get into that some more baseball talk next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1: Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
0: The first pitch, Alfaro swings and grounds it up the middle in the center. Cronenworth scores. Myers will score two,
1: and the Padres win it.
0: Chris Garagiola on the call. 6-5 the final from Petco last night. You want to talk about a momentum shift in a baseball game. I'm sitting there watching that game, Vic, thinking, wow, i got to stay up late because I'm going to watch a no-hitter unfold. Yeah, Uh Merrill Kelly was rolling through five innings, basically. uh, 5-0 lead. And then when the bats turned on for the Padres, they really turned on. They were able to get three homers off of Kelly to make it a one-run game. But th- the problem is still the same. Yeah. Uh, th- this team has one big glaring issue right now, and it's the back end of the bullpen, which, you know, whether it's been Ian Kennedy or... Uh, Mark Melanson trying to come in and close games. It has been an absolute disaster. Oh, yeah. So last night it was Kennedy because Melanson's already squandered that opportunity to be the closer. Um, Jake Anderson, who writes for us at ArizonaSports.com, tweeted out last night, the D-backs have now blown 21 of 50 save opportunities. 42% 42% of their save yeah. opportunities have been blown this Listen, year.
1: And if you if you carve that number in half, the team would easily be above 500 right now. They would be in playoff contention, and yet at the same time, uh, there's a, a you just can't go back and say things would still have turned out the same. Had they not had a series of blown saves early in the year, maybe they wouldn't have been so quick to go to a full-on youth movement. Maybe they would have done things differently. Who knows how this thing would have played out. But last night, I, I'm going tell you this in the context of what are we witnessing from the last couple weeks of August through the end of the season in terms of what's going to propel this team forward and there's a lot of tough games and there's that five game series of the Dodgers ahead of this team I, this is one of these moments it's going to test them it's going to test exactly what they're what they're trying to get up across right now because Last night again it was the game was right there they could have kept this great streak going they could have woke up this morning 3 games under 500 and boom, just like that, they're back to five under 500. They've had another bullpen failure. Uh, Ian Kennedy was just despondent after last night's game. Mm-hmm. Second time it's happened to him in the span of four days. Mm-hmm. And, and so he's feeling that. So this is going to be a, a little test emotionally of how this team can respond from a little spike of adversity when they're trying to. Prove a point here. Well, it just seems like it always starts the same way, too, with a yeah. walk to the leadoff oh. hitter in that in that last <laughs> inning. and Don't, That's how it started last night when he walked Bell. I, th- there is nothing more frustrating as a baseball fan than to see your closer walk the leadoff batter in the night that It just yeah. it's just makes you want to
3: hurl. It would yeah. be, be interesting to see how they address this going into the next year when they're going to have all this excitement mm-hmm. with this young core of exciting players. Because do they have anyone... Maybe on the horizon in the system that could be a, p- a future closer? Look, uh, we, on Wednesdays in, in recent months,
0: we've spun the wheel of benchmarks. mm-hmm I'm thinking they put a wheel in the dugout let Tory Lavello spin it going into the ninth inning. And whatever happens, happens. As long as the choices aren't wow. Ian Rousy. Kennedy and Mark Melanson, why not Kevin Ginkle? He's a hard thrower. The Diamondbacks yeah. do still have a, an absence of really hard throwers. If you look at what other bullpens have to offer in Major League Baseball, yeah. you got two or three guys that are throwing a hundred plus. They don't have that. Ginkle's a hard thrower. Uh, Maranta came in, pitched out of a, out of a jam you know, in the eighth, but he got one out. <laughs> What you are doing is
3: not working right now. No. There was talk of making Mint apply the closer. Early, you know, a couple months ago when he
1: was really hot.
0: Mantiply has been very yeah. average since oh, the he All-Star he sure break. has.
1: And even since making the All-Star team. It started before the, before the actual game. But, yeah, no, he really has been. And, he, and I don't think Mantiply has got the kind of arsenal you want from that guy. I do think you need to bring some smoke.
3: And there's no triple-digit thrower in double-A or triple-A or something? they got a
0: couple guys, but not ready yet. But We've seen so many prospects come up. And and have success right away. It, it's a lot different to, to bring a
1: prospect up yeah. and hand him the closer role. Yeah. You don't see that very often. Yeah. No, unless you don't. the guy's just super nasty. No, no. There's there, there's got to be a progression. You've got you've got to have some success at the major league level, in my opinion, to create that swagger. That the, you need to take to the mound. The
3: greatest closers ever, I think the Marion Rivera and K. Rod, started Diaz. off as eight, eighth inning guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, right, in, in their right. first right. championship yeah. runs before they became the closer. But they yeah. should
0: try anything at this point. Have somebody play a trumpet when the closer uh, comes in. Yeah. Yeah. It seems oh, to be working elsewhere. They have that guy. Who's the guy that did the trumpet uh,
3: national anthem during Jesse McGuire? Jesse McGuire.
1: Wow. How about that?
3: Let's do it. Play a little Narco. Well, no, that, yeah. that's come up They'd with a different. They have to come up with their own kind of thing, right? they got to come up with a different trumpet song. It's
1: so frustrating. Did not, Luke Lipinski, was he serious when he said he's never heard of a trumpet, Jared? You ever listen to Luke Lipinski?
3: I <laughs> mean, when he famously, uh, on, you know, in all seriousness, and all earnestness said, I don't even know what a trumpet is.
1: <laughs> I don't know what that was. In I would love ref- yeah. to hear that whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll have to go and do some research.
1: No, so yeah, so again, that that position. You're right. It, it's we have had as I've said this before in Arizona, we have had such a wacky history with closers uh, in this time. and maybe it's that way everywhere. Maybe that job is so fraught with peril and so fraught with failure that unless you get that kind of top four or five guy who's money. That you're just on this tightrope all the time. Yeah,
0: and I, I fully recognize it's, a, it's somewhat of a crapshoot. When you're constructing a team and constructing a bullpen, and there's usually a lot of turnover in those positions from year to year, sometimes it just gels, sometimes it doesn't. But it's got no chance to gel if your
1: back-end guys are not doing their jobs. No. No, listen, I, I agree. So that is going to have to be something that they address because if they really are going to be a playoff team next year, and that's going to be their expectation. There, that, that's, that's the magic word in everything. The longer you live, the more you figure that out. That there are going to be expectations on this team to be plus 500, to be a playoff team next year. Not necessarily to, to, to beat the Dodgers for the division title. No one's getting a little bit, getting that goofy. But I, but I do think that there's going to be expectations and they need to get a piece that can actually lock down some of these games because yeah. yeah, yeah, we've all seen it. Yeah, that's nothing demoralizes not just the fan base but the, the a baseball t- team on the interior. If you get a closer who's who's popping off blowing saves left and right, oh man, it, the, the the whole thing can just disintegrate. It demoralizes everybody. It does. Wanted to bring up one other baseball note real quick.
0: There's this debate going on as we're now into September about American League MVP. Aaron Judge is having just a, a unbelievable offensive year. One of the best offensive years, quite honestly, we've seen in our lifetimes. Yet, there's still a lot of people beating the drum for Shohei Ohtani to be the MVP. Among them is Justin Verlander's brother, Ben, who's become quite the uh, social media maven, uh, baseball media maven. Um, and he, he says it's always been Shohei Ohtani. And it's an interesting study because Aaron Judge, obviously, impacts the lineup, plays defense. Shohei Ohtani is, in my opinion, um, not having as good a year offensively as he did last year in his MVP season, Mm -hmm. but he's pitching better. His pitching numbers are actually much better. Where I I can't get on board with Ohtani this year is it is about value. It's not about the most outstanding player. If you're going to give him the most outstanding player, he's going to win it every year because he has a skill set that nobody else has. Yeah. The New York Yankees would be absolutely sunk right now if not for Aaron Judge. That is the definition of value plus these gaudy numbers that he's putting up. Yeah. I can't
3: believe there's a debate. That's so funny because I completely I think of it just the opposite, exactly the opposite. You're wrong and I'm I think, right. That is the opposite. How could you be more valuable when you play two positions? What does value lead to, though, Jarrett? One player can only have so much impact on on a baseball team.
0: Yeah, and and who's had a bigger impact on his respective team? Aaron Judge. Everybody on the Yankees quit hitting except for Aaron Judge, and they're still in first
3: place. Yeah, because they were so good. It's not like they're winning a lot of games because of Aaron Judge in the last two months. Again, It's because they started off so far ahead of everybody. If you're talking about value, it's got to lead to some sort of winning. And and the Angels are a dumpster fire. It's
1: the original Andre Dawson. Uh, argument yeah, that they
3: robbed that one year. Yeah, the but but, but,
1: I, but there's something to be said for what you're saying here. It's it's not like basketball. If you're an MVP in the NBA, you're supposed to, you have to take your team somewhere. You have to. Yeah.
3: But in baseball, you're one of nine. Mike Trout is the gr- the greatest player of the last you know 40 years. And he's won one playoff game or something like that?
1: I tend to side with Vinny. I I think there has to be a level of team success attached to the year to stamp that player as MVP. Aaron Judge currently has 18
0: more home runs than anybody else in baseball. There's one person that's ever done that, and that person did it five times, and it was Babe Ruth because he was the first guy to figure
3: out how to hit a lot of home runs.
1: That's an amazing
3: discrepancy. Aaron Judge has 54 home runs. Yeah, Kyle Kyle Slober- What's Aaron Judge's ERA?
0: <laughs> what's Shohei? How Ohtani's, many strikeouts does what, he have? What's Shohei Otani's
3: defensive war in the outfield? Oh wait, he doesn't do that. what What is uh, Shohei's batting average? By the way, I don't know. It's slow, but it's it, it wasn't high last year either when he won the MVP. It's it's hard because like as long as he continues to play two positions, yeah, like Vinny said, he's probably always going to be at least in the conversation, in the argument that he should win every year because it's unprecedented what he's doing.
0: Yeah. This year, 32 home runs, 85 RBIs, hitting 267. His batting average is actually higher this year. His OPS is down about 70 points from a year ago. he's fifth
3: in the majors in home runs or something yeah. like that. And it's
0: his pitching numbers this year, 11 and 8 with a 2.50 ERA with a 181 a strikeouts. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: it's it's remarkable what yeah. he's doing. Oh, absolutely. But it has to lead to something for the team. I I tend to I I don't think it's ironclad, but I do think I tend to side with him. And you. those instances a
0: Rod, Andre Dawson, I'd have to go back and look, but those were statistical outlier years for a guy on a on a last place yeah, team
1: when there right. was really no other option yeah for that's an MVP. that's what it's got to be there's got to be a real lack of options yeah. for that to make it happen yep
0: coming up next in november we'll see the arizona cardinals on hard knocks in season on hbo but they got their own little in-house production flight plan and the quarterback opened up in the latest edition of flight plan we'll get into it next it's pickley and Murata mornings 98 7 fm arizona sports station